0: Welcome to the Clovercrest Baptist Church podcast. For more information about Clovercrest Baptist Church, go to clovercrest.com.au. But also to everyone online, I know what it's like to be doing church online and it's uh, not always easy, but it's great that you can be part of this. I love this topic that you're doing. I love this idea of restoration. I love the boldness of it. I love the truth of it. I love the hope of it. And so when Mike asked me if I'd share, we sat down over coffee and talked about it. And um, we had some one thing in mind, but as I shared a bit about what else I'm working on at the moment and some deep reflection I'm doing on what's happened in my life over the last 20 years, Mike said, well, maybe we could focus on that. You could tell your story. And so I, I, I went away, and I, to be honest, I struggled a little bit. I struggled a little bit because a lot of the things that I'm, have happened in my life haven't worked out the way I thought they would. I had plans, but they got broken. Not once, not twice, but over and over again. And in that moment, I had a choice to follow God and trust Him or shake my fist at Him. And I had that choice over and over again. And so I actually rang Mike and I said look Mike to be honest not everything's been restored in my life. Things haven't worked out the way I'd planned. But God has been incredibly faithful and carried us through the darkest times. In fact the writing I'm doing I've just titled it learning to dance in the darkness because it's felt like relentless periods of darkness. And that wrestle with where is God? So I'm really grateful for a leader like this who says, you just go where God's leading you, and that's what I want to share with you. You see, it's not that I don't believe in restoration. I do. I've experienced it. And between God and man and this world, I believe in all of those things. But there are things that happen that can challenge us. And even in the quietness, get us to ask the question, of, what are you doing, God? What's happening? You're a good, all-powerful God, and stuff's going on in my life. We heard about John before and his battles. There's just stuff going on. So what do you do when things aren't getting restored in your life in the way you'd want? So I'm going to tell a bit of my story. Because from the mid-30s, you might be surprised when I say I'm in my mid-50s now. That was a a joke, so... I'm just going to pretend behind your mask you're all smiling. But um, at about my mid-30s, everything was going great. I was on a trajectory that was heading somewhere in life. I had so many things going on. It was the best life. And in a moment, something happened and it changed forever. And that began a series of events that I can't even describe to you. I don't have time and I wanted to be able to share some of them with you. I'm just going to choose one, the first one. Because the things that I prayed for, the things that I'd hoped for, got challenged. Some of them got smashed. Some of them never, ever happened. Now, I know I'm not alone. I've spoken to numbers of groups of people, and everywhere I go, there's people sitting here who understand what it is to hope for things and have those hopes dashed. There's a scripture that says, hope deferred makes the heart sick. And I meet a lot of people whose hearts are sick and painful because of what's happening. I know there are those of you who are struggling in marriages, in finances, in mental health, in all of those things. And sometimes it makes it hard to see God in the midst of that. And sometimes it causes us to want to turn away from God because of disappointment. And I know that feeling. I know what that's like. And that's why I want to share a bit of my story, and I want us to wrestle together with a question of how to keep going no matter what, and how to keep your eyes on God when things don't work out. I'm just going to pray and ask God to put his words in my mouth. Father, help me to get out of the road of what you want to say. Put your words in my mouth and speak to the hearts and minds of everyone. And for those who are hurting, guard their heart. In Jesus' name, amen. Let me take you back a little bit to where this all began. I was preaching at a church in Melbourne on the Mornington Peninsula. And I was preaching from Philippians 4. You may know that passage. We're going to look at it in a moment. Rejoice in the Lord always. Now, I was speaking, it was a long time ago, it was just after September 11th, only a few days. And it was also only a few days after I had coffee with a friend who was fighting back tears as he was asking How's God allowing my son to have brain cancer, my young son? And I I actually think I preached a pretty good message that day. And um, the trouble was, though, I, I hadn't had a lot of experience with pain and loss and trauma. So what I was sharing was principle, but not so much personal experience. I wasn't lying. I just didn't know it in practice. Only a few weeks later, there was a moment where I'll never forget, my wife walked through the door of our house and I saw a look on her face and it meant the whole world from that point on turned upside down. We'd been monitoring a a lump in her chest and the doctor had said, don't worry about it, you've just had a new baby and it's just a blocked milk duct, it's fine. And it grew. And we went back a few weeks later and said, what's going on? And they said, don't worry about it, it's just a blocked milk duct, it happens a lot. The third time we went back and it was late stage metastatic breast cancer. We had three kids. The youngest was one. So what did we do? We prayed. We went to God. We enlisted a whole army of people to pray and go to God. We kept our faith and we kept our eyes on God. You see, we had hope that God would step in at some point, and he would fix things, that he would heal her, and it would all be okay, and we'd say, praise God, isn't God good? This wasn't part of our plan. Now, about that time, I got an email. It was from a guy I didn't know, from the church in Melbourne where I'd been preaching, and he said, oh my goodness, I've heard about your wife, and I'm so sorry. He said, by the way, that message you preach was good. It will be interesting now to see if you can live it out. Sounds a little harsher than it was, but it's, um, it, was, it spurred me on. It spurred me on to go to that passage and to drill down and say, is this true? Because if it wasn't, I should never have preached it. And how true is it when I'm facing the storm? And that's what I want to share with you. I sat in Philippians 4, and at first glance, it feels like that Bobby McFerrin song, you know, don't worry, be happy. I warn you, don't listen to that. I listened to that a couple of days ago, and I can't get it out of my head. <laughs> I was going to sing it to you for a while, but I didn't know you very well enough, but, you know. I think it's a useless bit of advice. At one stage, he says, I ain't got no girl, ain't got no style. No, I ain't got, got no money, got no style. Got no girl to make me smile. But don't worry, just be happy. It's sort of like, hang on, I'm broke, I'm daggy, and I'm alone, but you want me just to smile and be happy? And it felt like that in Philippians 4 a little bit when you first glance. And I thought, surely it's got to be different. So I looked up joy. What does it mean to rejoice in the Lord? Always. It had to be different than happiness because happiness is dependent on circumstances and changes in a second. And I came to the conclusion that the joy which it's talked about here is a deep inner disposition of the soul. It's possible to be full of joy and to be crying your eyes out in pain. So let's have a look at this passage. I didn't meet the the deadline for the uh, PowerPoint because I was uh, working on changing things up. But uh, if you've got your Bible, it's Philippians chapter 4. Philippians 4. And I'm just going to walk you through it. It says, Rejoice in the Lord always. And even just pausing there for a moment, considering what I was going through, how do you rejoice in the Lord when you've got three young children and your wife is dying? It had to mean something different. So I read it again and again and again. And you know what it says? It says rejoice in the Lord, not in your circumstances. It's crazy sometimes when people say you've just got to be positive. Just believe. It says rejoice in the Lord, not in your circumstances. But when? When do you rejoice in the Lord? Always. At every situation, you rejoice in the Lord. This isn't shallow and insensitive advice from a feel-good preacher or an American singer. It's Paul. Paul, the one who followed God at great cost, who was persecuted, tortured, beaten, misunderstood. And here he is writing in the context of chains. He's in prison. Let me tell you now, what was happening in Paul's life, I guarantee, was not what Paul had planned Paul was out there serving God and said, I'll do whatever you want, wherever you want to send me, whatever you want me to do. i want to go out there and I want to reach the world for you. And he puts him in prison or allows him to go into prison. And in that prison, Paul has a choice. He can shake his fist at God and go, I've had enough. I'm tired of the beatings. I'm tired of it. I've been trying to be faithful, but you haven't returned it. So I'm done. Or he could say, God, I love you. I've got no idea what you're doing, but I I believe you and I trust you. and I know you can see the big picture, And so I'm just going to be faithful and I'm going to keep turning to you no matter how I'm feeling. And I felt like that so often. I'm going in the backyard on my own. I'll be praying and I'll be going, I don't know what you're doing, God. I don't know why you're allowing this, but I can't do this on my own. I think Paul would have said the same thing because he says in the next verse, the Lord is near. The Lord's not out there and you conjure up enough faith, and he comes and appears. Bible tells us, when God restores all things, he gives us the Holy Spirit. So we have all the fullness of God in us all the time. We are never alone, never have to do this on our own. We have God, the God of the universe. But over the next three years, after we got that diagnosis, almost nothing went the way we wanted it to go. Our hope for healing kept us going, so we went to God over and over again. But please hear me when I say this. It was tough. It was tough to keep going to God when I wasn't hearing a lot back. The circumstances weren't changing, but we kept going to God. He didn't feel near at times, but we learned to turn up, whether we felt it or not. So often, the tough times we go through and the things we're asking God to fix and restore If they don't turn out the way we want, we can feel far from God and want to turn from Him. And it's natural to feel that way. It's not a bad thing. Don't beat yourself up. It's natural. But it can really mess with you. It can mess with your view of God. It can mess with your view of yourself. It can stop you going to the Bible. It can stop you meeting with God's people. It can be really difficult. But Paul says this. He says, Rejoice in the Lord. He's near and that's all well and good and we could put a full stop there but you know what, I needed something and you need something far more practical than that. And sometimes when you look at principles, you go, well, what do I do with it? Well, Paul was incredible, incredibly practical here because the next bit says, don't be anxious about anything. Well, there was so much happening in our life that was worth worrying about, that deserved that sort of worry. And when people tell you not to worry and leave it at that, that's just cruel. And if there was a full stop here, this would be cruel. So for us, for three years, we had to work through what to do. Chemo, no chemo. Move where to live. Was there surgery or no surgery? Was there hospice or home? What about the young kids? So what does this mean? And what it means is this. Paul says, there's something else. There's an alternative here to worry. It's actually... Turning to God and praying and petitioning with thanksgiving and presenting your request to God. This isn't just, oh, how do I pray? What, what do I say? It doesn't matter what you say. It's just turn up to God and say, God, I don't know what you're doing, but this is what I want, please. But there's a little word, a couple of words in there. that says, with thanksgiving. And again, it sounds so cruel. Now you want us to be thankful and I'm thankful for cancer? no. That's not what it means at all. Learning to give thanks as we pray is so vital. Thank you, God, that this isn't a surprise to you. Thank you, God, that you know what to do next. Thank you, God, that you know whether I should do chemo or not chemo. Thanks that I'm not going to be on my own no matter how scared I am. Thanks that you know what to do with the kids. Thanks. Thanks, God. Thanks that I'm not doing this on my own. And while I wasn't feeling particularly thankful, when I Grasp this concept of giving thanks. It changed everything for us. Didn't take it away. Didn't take it away. And I went back to this passage and there was an amazing promise because this gets really practical now. Paul says, if you do this, there's an exchange that takes place. He'll restore what's broken in many of us, that peace that goes when trauma comes. He says, so the peace of God that transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Notice again, you've got to read it carefully, because on the surface it says, try to be peaceful, try to be peaceful. You cannot generate peace. It's the peace of God. It's a gift, a gift of grace. And not only that, it's a very practical peace, because it says it will guard your heart and your mind. I tell you, when we were going through those dark days and dark nights, My wife couldn't sleep at night, or she couldn't, sorry, she couldn't stop the tears at night because it was affecting her heart and the thoughts of the future. And so she would cry herself to sleep because her heart was so troubled. Me, I was different. I was out in the lounge room because my mind's racing at a million miles an hour. I'm telling stories in my head. I'm thinking of the future, and I couldn't sleep because of that. So here's Paul writing about this peace that comes from God that will guard the heart for those who are troubled and overwhelmed with emotion and the mind for those who can't stop worrying. This is an incredible thing that God offers us. You see, we desperately need that. And I don't trust myself to do this without... We'll see how we go. My son was 13 when his mother was just in the last moments of her life. And I didn't know what to do. There's no book that tells you what to do with this. But he walks through the door and I said, Josh, you, you don't want to be here. And he goes, yeah, I do. And he sat down and I said, Oh, your mum's just about to go and be with Jesus. And he held her hand and I said, do you want to say anything? or Do you want, do you want to? I don't know. And he goes, yeah, could you read Psalm 100? It's one of her favourite passages. And so I read it. It says, shout for joy to the Lord, all the earth. Worship the Lord with gladness. Come before him with joyful songs. Enter his gates with thanksgiving and his courts with praise. And a moment later, she died. Do you know, I walked out with my son, with my arm around him. He goes, Dad, I I felt an incredible peace. That he knows where she's going and that God's got this. It doesn't take away the pain. It doesn't take away the hurt. That God is still there in the midst of it. And turning to him, and rather from him, changed everything. I desperately wanted God to restore her health. I wanted God to restore what was broken in our family, because those years were just pff, just hard to explain what it was like, and how it had turned upside down. So many things had changed. You will be wanting some things in your life to change. You will be hoping for things in your life to change. And praise God, we've got a God who can do it. I've seen God do the miraculous. And I've seen God sometimes not step in. We need to realize that God may not, for whatever reason, respond in the way you want. And my hope and prayer is that this doesn't lead you to turn from God. After Heather's death... I have gone through in this 20 year period a ridiculous number of things. I can't even explain. There are bushfires, houses burned down, bicycle accidents, and brain injuries. There is so many things, and just was relentless and over and over again. But it's this passage and this experience of God in the darkest time that's got me through. And it's allowed me to stand here and still talk about this amazing God. Most of the prayers were not answered in the way I wanted or the way I hoped. But that didn't mean God wasn't hearing my prayers and God wasn't active. Things didn't get easier because we were faithful in this over these years. But you know, I, I learned from the passage with Jesus in, in Gethsemane, where he said, Father, and he's sweating great, great drops of blood. He goes, I don't want to go through this. Please spare me this. Yet not my will, yours be done. Some people might think that's a lack of faith. I think you follow the example of Jesus. You're in good, good company. But by continuing to turn to God throughout all of these series of things, my little tribe and me, we haven't lost our way and we haven't taken our eyes of God. My children have walked through some of the most difficult things any child could experience. And our biggest concern when, when Heather was dying was what would this do to the kids' faith? Well, I went to Malaysia about a year after um, Heather died, and I was speaking at, a, at a, a some gatherings. And the lady got to know my kids, 11 and 13, the two oldest one. I had a little four-year-old at that stage. She got to know the two little ones, and she said, Hey, could... Could, would they speak when you speak? Would they share? I said, Sh- about what? And she goes, well, you're talking about rejoicing in the Lord. Maybe Ashley, my daughter, 11-year-old, could do that. And Josh, she's 13. Maybe you could talk about the other passage, standing firm. I said, I don't talk from Ask them. And so she asked them. And they said, yes. And we we're at this resort. And my daughter dashed off to the room. And she got onto her knees next to the bedside table. And she started writing her notes. Josh just swam in the pool. So my daughter came out and I saw her and she was incredulous and she walks over and she waits for Josh to swim up to her. she taps him on the head and he looks up she goes, what are you doing? You're meant to be preparing. And he goes, I am preparing and he takes and keeps going swimming. <laughs> the next night when they stood up, this is what happened. I had no idea what I was going to say. My daughter was parroting me a little bit, things that she heard, but then she went off script and she goes, you know, it's really silly to think that you can rejoice, I really miss my mum. But, you know, in Job, and I'd never talked about this, she said, Job says, the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. So I'm just going to keep following him. It's like, oh my gosh, it's an 11-year-old. Then my 13-year-old gets up and he goes, yeah, I was going to talk about stand firm, but I actually cry in my bedroom every night because mum's dead. And he says, I don't think you can stand firm on your own. I think you've got to lean on Jesus. The faith of a child who sees that God's still at work and doing amazing things. It's normal and very human to want to turn from God when your world falls apart and things aren't being restored, especially when others are getting up and going, praise God, everything's working out. But that is when you need to turn to God the most and let him carry you through, because God has not, will not ever abandon us. You know in Job, that passage in Job, Job was getting rained on him with all these things that were happening and his wife even says to him, my goodness man, just curse God and die. And he goes, are you kidding me? Is God only good in the good times? No, God's God in all times. So the Lord gives and the Lord takes away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He said no matter what happens and at the end of his life, God restored his life in so many ways. Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego They said, we're going to follow God no matter what happens. And then they were threatened. Their lives were threatened. They were about to be thrown into this fiery furnace. They said, just turn away from God. And they go, we don't know what he's doing, but we're not going to. Because we know our God can do this. But even if he doesn't, we're not turning away from him. And that became our mantra. We know God can heal her. We know God can fix these things. But even if he doesn't, we're going to keep our eyes on him and trust that he knows what he's doing. You know, it's a faith journey following God. When you know he's at work, but you don't know what he's doing or why he's allowing certain things. That is faith of just turning up. I used to pray every night for a miracle. He can and he might do that for you. But the miracle might be having that faith to trust him no matter what you go through. He may not restore what you want, but he does know what's in store. And he will be there with you and he will carry you through. My kids have muscular souls. I got a great wife that I married last year. And I got a great job. I get to work in justice and and do things that I think... I'm going to make a difference in this country. But I don't want to stand here and say, that makes up for all that I went through for 20 years. And that was the quid pro quo. You be faithful and we'll give you all this stuff at the end. But it demonstrates to me, I don't know why it happened, but God, it demonstrates to me, God is faithful. He never leaves us or forsakes us. He knows what's in store for each one of us. And sometimes He restores things and other times He doesn't. But He never stops loving you and He never stops working in your life. This week, I just encourage you to turn up with God, to hand things to Him, to maybe walk through Philippians. Turn to Him and you will find, no matter what, no matter what you go through, there is a way to keep going and to keep your eyes on God and it will make all the difference. Let me pray.